Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. We see in the book of Colossians a pattern that uh, Paul, the author, when he's writing this letter, we see this happen in several of his letters. He starts off with an indicative and then goes to what's called an imperative. An indicative is what is he trying to tell us? What does it indicate to us? The imperative is what we are compelled to therefore do. So here we see uh, after Paul establishes the indicative, that is who we are, how great, who we are in Christ, excuse me, how great Christ is, his supremacy, his, um, his authority, his greatness, his majesty, and the fact that we are in and with him, he, now we are instructed on how to live. And we see this start to unfold a little bit more clearly in Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to start, if I will, on the first few verses. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, with Him, it's not just Christ that rose, but we have risen with Him, he says, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, he's your life and he's my life. When Christ appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Such an important part of our discipleship is to have the revelation, the deep understanding that we are in and with Jesus right now. Right now. We read very clearly there that Christ died and we have died with him. He has risen. We have risen with him. He is in the heavenly realms and so are we right now. Now, right now, you might be seated in your chair, but you're also seated with him in the heavenly realm. And how is that possible? It's by faith. We get that by grace through our faith or through the the fact that we believe in him. We have trust in Jesus. Where Christ is, so are we. Remember that. Where Christ is, so are we. Where Christ goes, so we also go. It's not just a matter of um, Jesus following us, Jesus being where we are. We're in Him. We are hidden with Christ in God. Have you ever felt times of your life where you just don't think you're, you're a very good Christian? I don't feel like I'm a very good Christian today. When you've said something you shouldn't, or you've thought something you've regretted, or you've done something, you've later gone, oh, mamma mia, what have I done? I'm not feeling like a very good Christian today. But have a guess what? Being a Christian is not being a perfect person. That's what we sometimes forget. I forget it sometimes. Being a Christian believes in a perfect person, knowing that we need a perfect person, that without Jesus, we're gone, we're finished, we're kaput. And I love the fact that Paul points to us this incredible reality. We've died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We're hidden with Christ in God. And we are with Christ at His return. 
because he's coming back really soon. Really soon. Sooner than you realize. Let's go back to the previous chapter, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse, uh, let's go from verse 9 through to 15. Paul writes a little bit earlier, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Verse 11, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, but putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Are you getting a message here? It's all in him. It's all in Jesus. Your sense of goodness or rightness, right standingness, righteousness, you cannot earn it. You cannot achieve it. It's already been done for you. So why do we feel the urge to earn our own goodness? To think that God's going to love us anymore because we read our Bibles more, we pray more, we attend more church services. All these things are good, mind you. Read your Bible more. Do it. Pray more. Get involved with the church community because it's good for you. It nourishes the soul. It's healthy and helpful. But it doesn't cause God to love you anymore. And just like if you are in and with Christ Jesus, just like he can't love you anymore based on your actions, he also can't love you any less. He loves you completely, entirely, amazingly. I want to, if I can, let's focus on this verse here. In verse 1, it says... uh, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Seated at the right hand of God. I love that. Here is something we read about again and again and again in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. We can see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 33 to 35, I'll read just a little bit. It says, sit at my right hand, God says, until I make your enemies your footstool. That's a reference from Psalm 110. But it also says this later in Acts chapter 5, verse 31. You'll have this, Trevor. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. Where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of God. What that means is that's the place of favor. That's the place of honor. That's where our leadership comes from. That's where our salvation comes from. Christ Jesus right now is at the place of favor at the throne room of God. Think about in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 7, I think it is, uh, Stephen, remember when he was, he was about to die, where did he see Jesus? He saw him at the right hand of the Father. Stephen himself saw Jesus right there. Romans 8.34, Jesus was raised is at the right hand of God interceding for us. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. 
we have that one there. God raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly places. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. I love this one. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. I pointed to this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high jesus has done all he needs to do he's made purification for our sin he's accomplished he's overcome and right now he's ruling from on high and have a guess what Bible tells us that we are there with him we're with him right now let's go to Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 the one who conquers I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne we share in that with him right now right now whether you believe it or not, if you're in Christ Jesus, you need to know something. Jesus is in the place of favor right now. Jesus is in the place of honor right now. You are hidden in Christ. You are snuggled away in and with him right now. You're at a place of favor. Tell your neighbor, He's talking about you. He's talking about you. So, before Christ came into the world and took on flesh, where was he? He was with God in eternity past, and eternity present, and eternity future. He entered into humanity, into space, uh, uh, excuse me, a, uh, a, a physical space, at a certain point in history and he became a human Christ became human he put flesh on clothed himself with humanity he lived a life free from sin saved served set free he went on to a cross he died on a cross and when he was on that cross was he God while he was on the cross course he was he was still God while he was on the cross was he human when he was on the cross he absolutely was and at the cross we have this technical term called the hypostatic union which is the joining this union in the nature in the person of Christ the joining of divine and human together he took upon himself the sin of humanity your sin and my sin and he redeemed humanity he overcame sin and Satan and hell and death. He was buried. Three days later, he came back alive. And have a guess what? When he came back alive and people saw him, when he's with his disciples, remember at the beach, for example, Thomas, touch him at his side. Was he still God at that point? Was he still human at that point? He was. He was still human. He walked and he talked with people. In fact, it says in... Um, in Where's my reference here? 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Right now, 
Jesus Christ is still fully God and fully man. Because he has now clothed himself with humanity, he is in a resurrected body, we too will experience that resurrection body because that's where he is. If Jesus didn't come, if Christ didn't come into the world, we couldn't, if he didn't experience the incarnation, then we would have no hope. That's one of the reasons why the incarnation is so significant, because he has redeemed humanity. Where he goes, so do we. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. That's where we are. And when he returns again, so will we be with him. Where Christ is, so are we. It then says in verse 1. Yeah, the first part of verse 1. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seek the things that are above. Your version might actually say, set your mind. Set your mind. He doesn't say, get your head out of the gutter. He could. He says, set your mind on things that are above because that's where you are right now. Right now, you're in the heavenly realm. So think in that same space. This is important for us because what our minds focus on, our lives will magnify. What our mind is set on, our lives will magnify. Have you ever met a really fanatical football fan? Never. I know a man in this church who is an incredibly fanatical West Coast Eagles supporter. And if you go into his house, if you go into his house, he has a special dedicated room in his house. (laughs) I'm not saying who it is. Don't worry, buddy. I want out yet. <laughs> there are West Coast Eagles paraphernalia all over the wall. There's footballs, there's signatures, there's plaques, there's cups, there's medals, there's trophies. He never goes in the room. Again, I won't say who it is. But what you set your mind on will be magnified. My question is, what is your mind set on? What's... what's What are the last things you think about before your head hits the pillow and you go to sleep? What do you think about when you wake up in the morning? So Paul encourages us, if you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things that are above or seek the things that are above where Christ is. Philippians 3.20 says, We're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Proverbs 3.27, we know this one, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is really important for us, church. Because we tend to always move in the direction of the, the very thing that holds our attention. If you want to know what direction you're headed in life, have a look at what holds your attention or your adoration. I could never shake this, uh, this, this uh, bike riding tip from George Okolich in the church. He, he shared with me one time that they teach these bike riders when they're riding professionally, as you're riding, you're going through other obstacles and trying to bypass people. If there's someone that's there and you feel you need to get around them or bypass them, you don't focus on the person because you're going to end up hitting them 
You don't focus on the post, you're going to end up riding into it. You've got to see the bigger picture. Because whatever holds your attention, you're eventually going to go in that direction anyway. And we're going to see Paul tackle this because he starts to address the issues of sin and how to live. But before that happens, what's so important is an understanding, a revelation of our identity, of our union with Jesus. We are in and with him. And because of that, we are told, fix your eyes on something bigger. Think on the things that are above in the heavenly realms. Let's read on says in verse 5 put to death therefore and whenever it says therefore you ask what's it therefore so the preceding verses tell us something and then we go put to death therefore in fact that word uh, put to death is necrosate which means uh, it, it kind of means to literally to make dead or some might interpret to exterminate he doesn't say here um, keep under control he says to kill to exterminate therefore what is earthly in you particularly this sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry okay so there are five things mentioned here four of those happen to be related to sexuality sexual immorality your version might say fornication that's a reference to um, premarital sex sex outside of marriage the covenant of marriage the security the safety the sanctity of marriage that's a big thing. Whether you're young or whether you're old, this is a big thing. And Paul says, you've got to stop that. You've got to exterminate that. You've got to put it to death. And he also says impurity, which is a little bit more uh, broad. That's uncleanness. That, that's in relation to sinfulness. Uncleanliness when it comes to sin, uh, sexual sin. Immorality, perhaps. Um, something that is sexual that doesn't refer to... Um, perhaps sexual intercourse outside of marriage, but maybe things like pornography, maybe things like mucking around with someone that you shouldn't in a sexual way because it's unclean. That's what he's referring to here. And what he's saying is, look, guys, you've got to kill this. You've got to exterminate this. Amen or out? All right, let's keep going. Passion, again, evil desire because of time I'll, I'll move on covetousness which is idolatry on account of these the wrath of God is coming in these you two once walked when you were living in them but now you must put them all away here's another list of five anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth these things are in reference to um, angry and abusive language in particular I'll read them again. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Okay, what's he saying there? Simply this, our identity, our new identity brings a new reality. Our new identity has got to bring about a new reality. So we put off the old and we put on the new. It's an intentional action. 
we put off the old and we put on the new. Let's read on. Put on then as God's chosen ones. That's really important. I've got that circled. As God's chosen ones, put on then, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on then kindness. Put on then humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, anyone have a complaint against someone else? Anyone? You holy people, you never have complaints about anyone else. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. You've got to let it. You don't have to work too hard at this. You've just got to let it. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, um, the living it comes from the believing it. The living it comes from the believing it. We have got to get deeply within ourselves this understanding that it's Jesus who lives in us. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. And the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith or trusting in the Son of God. He gave himself for me. So who, who, who's in here? It's him. Jesus is living in. And I've got to let him out. I've got to let him out. That's what I've got to do, but I've got to believe that first. Because if I don't believe and if I don't have the revelation, all I'm going to be focused on is legalistic works. I'm going to endeavor to do the right thing, and it's all going to be surface level. And nothing's going to be changing with my desires. I'm going to still want to sin. I'm still going to want to muck around. I'm still going to want to hate you and not forgive you. I'm, if, if my heart's not changed, there's no real change. So God is after heart transformation before any behavior modification. It all comes down to the heart, always. But what happens on the outside is just symptomatic of what's going on on the inside. So if there's a sin issue, there's probably a heart issue. The crisis that we're seeing in the world today, this identity crisis, is because there is a lack of identity in Christ. A Christless identity always brings about a crisis of identity. Flick on the TV and have a look at how many different genders there are. It's an identity crisis. People don't know up from down, left from right, black from white, right from wrong, male from female. How many genders are there, by the way? Are you sure? I'm going to be banned off YouTube now. Oh, look out. This is just symptomatic of an identity crisis. When we kick 
God out, so we also kick out a sense of morality or right and wrong. Because we then yield to subjective relativism. That's why we need the Bible to lead us. That's why we need His Spirit to reveal to us. Depression is on the rise. That's an identity issue. Anxiety is on the rise. A lack of understanding and acceptance of one another is on the rise. I'm not saying we all have to agree, but we do accept each other in love. It's an identity issue. So we've got to get back to basics. Instead of trying to address the, the, the surface level issues one with another, let's address the hard issues of identity. Do we know who we are in Christ? Instead of me trying to change and compel that change on my neighbor who doesn't know Christ, maybe I can just introduce him to Christ first. Because he'll do all the lifting, the heavy lifting. He'll do all the heart transforming. With my girls at home, um, at times, believe it or not, I have three beautiful daughters, but sometimes they don't uh, do the right thing. Believe it or not. <laughs> they have their moments. And so when, when one of them's really playing up and behaving quite bratty, what I don't say is, you're such a brat. Stop behaving like a brat. I don't say that as a loving father. I say, listen, you're a beautiful young girl growing so well. You don't need to do that. You are loved. You are clever. You are, you are growing every day. Now, please, pull out the pencil you shoved in your sister's arm and forgive her. See, there's a different way of parenting. I think God does the same way. He doesn't hold a stick over us saying, you bad, bad person, do better. He says, you're loved. It's all been done for you. You are in and with my son, God says. Now, come on, because of that, let's throw sin out the window. Deal with sin where possible. And I'll tell you what, when we deal with sin, how do we do it? I tell you, it's not, it's not self-effort or hard work and keeping God out of the equation. It's by the Spirit of God. So we are told to put sin to death, but we've got to do it by the Spirit of God. We've got to do it by the Spirit of God. Let's check out um, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. And I can just have the musos come, please. Romans chapter 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Did you hear that? By the Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So He doesn't just lead us, He empowers us. For you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, which means, Dear Father, Father, Dear Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So as we finish... I'm a doer. I'm a doer kind of guy. I'm very pragmatic. I want to know what, what have I got to do. We're instructed here from Paul to get rid of sin and deal with it. But we can't do it without him. And we've got to do it with the revelation that our old self is gone our new has come. Ephesians tells us this exact same thing. Paul writes to the Christians at Ephesus putting to death you know that we're new creations now we're not obligated to our old master anymore our old master of sin would control us that's what sin does it controls we have a new master who liberates and that's jesus so why hold on to a hand of our old master and our new master at the same time why do we do that paul's saying don't do it Throw off the old and embrace the new. Your old master, he will dominate you. Your new master is here to liberate you. But we have a responsibility to kill sin by his power. One of my girls is constantly talking about new pets all the time. First she wanted worms, so I've got a little worm uh, uh, what do you call those things? A worm farm? And guess who's feeding those blinking worms all the time? Soil conditioner, water, every week. You think, I, I don't think she's looked at those worms in about four or five months now. And she wanted fish? A fish. Who's feeding the fish every day? <laughs> well, was. Now you know what she wants? She wants a pet spider. She picks up spiders by the leg and just, no, don't kill it, Dad, don't kill it. Sometimes I think we treat sin the same way. Oh, I don't want to kill that sin. I just want to play with it. I just want to keep it look after it. I'll keep it at bay. It's at bay. Don't worry about it. I'll just put it off to the side there. Maybe I'll feed it now and again. Exterminate that sucker. Deal with it. By the Spirit of God, deal with sin. Why? Because we are in and with Jesus right now. We're seated with Him in the heavenly realm. We are called to rule and reign with Him. And we live our lives and we deal in the realm of with each other in the natural we deal in that realm from a place of victory not for the place of victory we're already there because jesus has already done it for us he's done it all so just now i'd love to um, finish with a worship song and i would love for us to bring to god anything that god says i want that we've got to deal with that right now what you might be holding in your heart. It might be sexual in nature. It might be abusive in nature. 
It might be resentful in nature. It might be greed in nature. It might be pridefulness. It might be deception. It might be malicious intent. It might be constantly causing division and dissension wherever you go. It might be gossip. These are all things that God says, come on, we've got to deal with that now. Why? Because you're in and with me. Come on, we've, we've got to rule and reign together. We're up here together. Once a worm transforms into a butterfly, it has no business crawling on the ground anymore. It's flying. And we're called to fly. We don't need to be like slugs anymore. We're ready to pray together. Why don't you stand up with me? Let's uh, pray into this. Father, we come to you in the, the name that sits above every name. We come to you in the name of Jesus. And just now we open up our hearts and we say, Lord, put your finger on anything you want to that we've got to deal with, that we've got to exterminate, that we've got to put to death. Lord, we need your help to do it. Would you also kill and exterminate the desires that are in there, in our hearts, that make us want to do things that are unhelpful, unholy. Thank you, Father, for your presence right now. Lord, speak and act, reveal, show. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.